You're listening to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty. Hey, welcome back to Witcher Watch from the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. I'm John Doyle. And, and I'm Steph. That is Steph, who you may or may not hear yelling to get attention throughout this episode to chime in because she doesn't have her own microphone. I think it would be a little dangerous if we gave her her own microphone. I would never stop talking. See, she's just said something. I would never you stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, are, we are back after a long hiatus of not watching Witcher because there hasn't been any Witcher content other than Nightmare of the Wolf, which we did not review back in August. Uh, do you want to give a very brief thought on that 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 anime? It was fine. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I Great. I liked it. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you yeah. liked it. I didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it either, but I didn't like it either. Right. Yeah. It was it was there. It filled the void briefly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's our review of that. That's good. <laughs> Uh, we are getting into some spoilers here. We're just going to kind of recap, walk through this episode, talk about things that were interesting. And um, yeah, that's really about it. I have a lot more, I think, uh, experience with the content, whether it's from the the game. I've only played Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, um, but I've read all the books as well. And you've read th- three of the books? A couple of books, and uh, and I'm not reading any more now. Yeah. I just want to watch this cold without That's good. That I think that's the way to do it. Head. I think that's the uh, way to do it. So And so we're going to break this down where we're going to watch. We're going to talk about episode one today, and then we'll have an episode where we do episodes two and three, four and five, and then finale, right? Is Six and right? seven, and then Six finale. Seven and then There's finale. eight episodes, I believe, yeah. Uh, so a handful of episodes coming your way. So uh, if you like this episode... Don't forget to subscribe, follow us. Uh, yeah, so this episode is titled A Grain of Truth, which is uh, also the name of the short story that is, this exists from in The Last Wish, which is the, the first book that was released of the short stories. We saw a pile of short stories in season one from both The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny. Um, but this season overall should cover most of the first novelization from uh, The Blood of Elves. Right, this should be moving past but well, I mean that's the story that we are talking about in episode one. It's essentially the last of the, yeah, m- major short story pieces. Yeah, and it's one of the best ones. Yeah, absolutely. Very glad they did this uh, episode. I, I guess I want to ask John before we dive into kind of the recap. Um, did you like this episode? How did you feel? You know, watching this after, uh, I guess almost two years of no Witcher content and. You know, this is a second season. So, do you think they've? Well, what do you think they've done better so far? Well, I guess I, I'm going to answer your first question. And so, so yeah, there's the a lot question. of questions I just threw at you. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's a great idea to start with one of the short stories. It, it, I hope that that was a plan to say, you know, we're going to have to re-enter this. Let's re-enter with to this ease into short everything. story fashion, and mm-hmm. we reintroduce characters. We give them some emotional content. We get to know everybody before we're digging into a lot of new characters. Right. Mm-hmm. So we we take what is a very episodic kind of uh, piece that we watched in the first season, even though there's an arc, right? It still felt very episodic. And we begin with that same function. I also think it's, you start with a story this strong, you you have the capacity to engage your audience and remind us what we like about Witcher. Right, yeah, and and remind us of what has happened too, because there were some aspects of this episode that felt like, hey, let's catch you up again on what just happened in the last couple of right. episodes in the last season. Uh, so we've done a little recap. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think we're reminded exactly of why we like Siri, why we like Geralt. And we get introduced to some new monsters and um, a new character altogether, which is which is great. Um, so yeah, so we we start with this we start with this opening scene of really this tease of this monster who's who's killing these these travelers who are entering this this abandoned village uh very good yeah the most witcher of opening sequences yeah my question and i brought this up the second it time started already <laughs> i love the questions though the creature yes only eats half the body 
Yeah, that she, you Is did there notice like a that. Science behind that? It only eats the bottom half. I, Everyone's heads are left and torsos. Yeah, she does only eat the the bottom half. Yeah, right. Is that a thing? I don't know. I I I'm not a. Um, Let me look it up. Bruxa expert. <laughs> B R U X A, I believe. <laughs> you figure that out while we continue to talk. Um, it's a great tease, though. It's a great tease. The the we're introduced to characters we think we might need to know, and then they're dispatched <laughs> quite quickly. Quickly. Uh, with every bit of the sort of Witcher symbolism of there's something running just quite just slightly out of our eye shot, right? Yeah, that, that we know people are interested. Well, and and if you've read this story, you know who this is. Um, and so the second this this is happening on screen, I'm saying, ah, okay, I know the the there's a Bruxa. This Brux is here, and uh, it was a great way to start. So I think let's start with Geralt since we're with Geralt for the majority of this. Sure. Uh, this uh this episode here and it actually doesn't start in that village um but it actually starts almost immediately after we last saw him meet siri in in the woods uh him and siri have traveled to the uh aftermath of the battle of sodden and um you know tisea is is there looking at some of these last moments of these soldiers and uh we get some really really super bloody and violent point of view shots which was it felt very like video game-esque which was cool yeah uh, you, you mean know? when she's sort of searching yeah she's doing like some kind of i don't know what it is specifically it's like, she's like she's it's like, like it's star wars when they can like feel what the history of it can you yes i cannot word? think of the force Do I have to you should look that up it? too okay. i feel off quinlan voss has this power in star wars he's not talked about enough great character um you let me know what that is. I'm actually very proud of you that you know that because there's not a lot of people who know that force power. Woo <laughs> woo! <laughs> 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 I don't know how to search that. Then you can. What is your search thread? Part of you can use both hands. When you can feel your heartbeat. When you can hear your heartbeat. When you can. Let's go back. Star Wars. I love this. I love this. Okay. Live. So anyway, <laughs> super bloody point of view shots um, and like not just like a little bit bloody, but like swords into mouths and right. We got. Oh, this man. And it was great because we were in our time and then we're going into the memory and the, the, the sort of camera swirls us in there. Yeah. And then we're blasted out in the moment of death. It was great. It was and they really thoughtfully done immediately. I'm like, they've upped the game here on how violent they're going to make this season, I think. Uh, and uh, it, it got me very excited for what was what was ahead. Uh, they're, they're setting the tone pretty strong, I think, from from the get-go of what this is going to be. Well, for the season. consequences of the battle are clearly being laid out for us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not, it, although we saw, you know, that Yennefer, you know, won the battle, quote-unquote. Right. The casualties on her side are, significant there's uh, all together all the casualties, all, all the casualties from nilfgaard right. all the way from the temerians and did you figure it out psychometry psychometry that a, yep that's what it says that may be it well it's when uh the ability means you can touch an object and learn about people or the events associated with it what site are you on starwars.com that's great perfect <laughs> credible credible source i think <laughs> great yes um yeah, that's actually that's pretty much exactly what she's doing for the most part. Except they're not objects; they're people. Um, right. And she, we kind of see this same tactic used later on, which we'll get to in this episode. But um, yeah, she's—I mean—and she's looking through their memories to find any traces of Yennefer, um, who has disappeared after using some fire magic to pretty much obliterate twenty thousand troops or something like that from uh, from Nilfgaard. Um, so she's yelling for Yennefer and searching for her. And then Geralt shows up yelling for Yennefer as well. Um, and I don't remember if they've met. Have to say and Geralt haven't met yet in the in the show until now, right? Not that I know of, no. Because he hasn't had any real encounter. You're right. Aside yeah. from Yennefer. Yeah. Yeah. So this is their this is their first encounter. And he kind of scolds her a little bit for, you know, was it was it worth it? You know, was was her death worth it to win this victory? Um, showing that Geralt is not just this 
you hunker down, violent, you murderous, I don't know, bloodthirsty guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, again, showing that he has a soft side, showing that um, he cares, again, for Yennefer and that he's he's above these wars and he's above right. all this stuff. So these witchers aren't just monsters, again. Um, biggest thing, though, that was said that really goes... Uh, I think under the radar here is that Siri had a vision of this moment. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important because this will come up not just later in the season, most likely. I, you know, I, I would imagine it would show up a little bit later in the season, but definitely later on in this series, for sure. Uh, so they are, they are seeding some things, heavily seeding some things for this series. Um, other than that, though, that's pretty much all that happened at the Battle of Sodden there. That was just the aftermath, so... Anything you want to add to that? No, I, I agree that the bloodiness is up, and I thought that they did a really nice job giving a sense of Geralt's difference or separation from all of the things of the world. You know, the yeah. in, in a way, what he's doing with Siri is a different act right now than uh, participating in the wars or the war that's taking place. You know, he's almost pulling her separately from that. Yeah, it, it's also you know the Yennefer relationship needed to be re we need to be reminded of it because we're going to need to follow through with that as yeah. we through the yeah. so I feel that but yeah I thought it was great I loved that effect I thought that the the um the that that particular sequence was really effective um, and then we get uh Geralt heading off to yeah heading um, off to they're traveling to Kermorn at this but, point. We don't know that they're traveling right. to Kermorn, but that's where they're that's where they're heading. They just feel like they're kind of aimlessly wandering in the woods because they haven't said where they're going quite yet. And I have to just say, they've traveled a considerable distance the next time we see them. Like mm -hmm. from the time we see them on the battlefield to the next shot, they've actually traveled a considerable distance based on where the Battle of Sodden takes place and where Nivellin lives. Um and so they've traveled through a whole like kingdom, a whole realm at this point, um, which is like like really far. Uh, so they've jumped some serious time. And I say this because it means that him and Siri have spent a lot of time together already. Um, because when we are in Nivlin's house later, they they have this chemistry together already that feels like I don't know. We haven't seen that happen. We haven't seen that chemistry grow on screen, but it's already there. Mm -hmm. And so like it's it's. It's warranted, I think, because they have spent so much time together. Right. Like that chemistry is already in existence. But um, yeah, so I think I just wanted to say that that's they've traveled uh, pretty far. They're in Redania right now. Anybody who's wondering, that's where they are. We've kind of have characters scattered. Um, so they're in Redania. Um, we don't know really where Yennefer is. Just probably somewhere south of. Uh, of the Battle of Sodden on their way back to Nilfgaard right. um, and Tissaia is in Eratusa. Mm -hmm. And those are the, really the three places. But um, yeah, while they're sitting there, what happens? See, I think they're they're on the road and they she has a nightmare of um, Kahir kidnapping her essentially from Sintra. Right. She, and she sort of relives that moment where her sort of power kicks in or the power around kicks in and, she, and you know she gets to escape. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 reliving that whole that whole nightmare of escaping Sintra and and that power and all of the craziness that uprooted her from her life. Um and uh this again, this is a recurring thing in the book where she constantly has these nightmares of this uh black plumed helmet mm -hmm. kidnapping her, uh, the man with like the black winged helmet. Um we also get in that moment um Geralt references this really friendly rock troll uh which stephanie's raising her hands um it's from the game it is from the game there's a there's a rock troll there's a side quest with a really friendly rock troll so, in witcher what, 3 what he, want? he wants he you wants, to like, go find him paint so paint. that he can join the redanian army <laughs> he, and it like freaks Geralt out it's just he's he now has nightmares. yeah he well he's a really ugly rock troll and he's uh so nice. yeah his name's trollalo yeah Trollolo. yeah so he said that in the there's there's some really good nods to The Witcher Three in in this season so far in this episode. Well, we get the Wild Hunt reference too. Is that we get a Wild Hunt yeah. reference? Oh no, that's in uh, Nivellin. Yeah, we get the, a Wild Hunt reference. Which again, this isn't that's I mean that's the name of the third game, but they play a major role towards uh, you know the second half of this 
book series. So they come into play later on in the series. Um, and then we also get a wonderful uh, shot at the end of this episode of Geralt meditating by a fire, which is very reminiscent of the loading start screen in The Witcher 3 game. Um, <laughs> like I immediately, the, the shot appeared. I was like, I've seen this before, just not with Henry Cavill. <laughs> so there's some really, really fun nods to to that for some uh, some fans. But uh, yeah, they're traveling to Kaer Morhen, um And uh, yeah. Uh, oh, you know what happens? Geralt talks about uh, the entire attack, the battle at Kaer Morhen at one point. Yep. He mentions that, name drops that. So they've they've really tied in Nightmare of the Wolf into this season. So Nightmare of the Wolf right. legitimately feels like it's this prequel to this season at this point. Yeah, there the connection's really clear, right? It is like almost required viewing, I feel like if you're going to understand you know the continent and the world that the Witchers live in. Um Yeah. Uh so I John, I have a I have I have probably have too many notes because I've just picked out so many things. So if this episode gets too long, we can probably cut some things out. Sure. But I know. I'm telling you, story. I have far too many things. I have. Do you want me to just run through them really quickly? Okay. We see our first Witcher sign where Geralt uses Axie to call him Roach. Steph is raising her hand. Right. Oh. oh, no, you didn't. You missed a different one. Never mind. Yes. They explained signs a little bit more in this season so far in this episode, which is great. You've um, seen, you see like two in the first episode, don't you? We see, I think, three. I think we see three in this episode. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's great. Um, so anyway, we see Axie, which we I don't believe we saw no, in the last season. Um, so it's great. Uh, they also stumble upon a dead animal. Geralt is hearing something Ooh, in he the woods. Bits of it raw. Yeah, he does. I no, he does. Know. Yeah, he 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 hacks out that piece to sort of see what's going on with yeah. it. Then he takes a bite. It was a white flesh and too. He and, shoves and, it in there, and I want to know what he really put in his mouth. It was probably. Can I find that out? Will they tell me that? They probably? will not tell you that probably, but it's probably some kind Can I of like message Henry Cavill. On go for Instagram? it. If please DM. Be like, hey, please DM I just Henry. Watched the first episode. And what'd you put in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little sexual by nature, but I mean, you know, you can you can ask him that. That's totally okay. fine. Um, and what was that was dead? Was it a wolf? It look, no, it looked like a deer. Oh, uh, maybe. I thought it was like a wolf or coyote. I don't know. I don't know. It was some sort of woodland creature. Uh, anyway, they end up traveling to Nivellin's house. Um, and this is where it, it it diverts from the short story a bit here. But I enjoyed it. Like, John, I don't remember if you know how... I don't know if you remember much of that story. Um, it is this Beauty and the Beast. Right, It's exactly. kind of spin-off, right? This tweak... Um, as many of the stories are, right? Like yeah, the there are all these kind of like fairy tales, twists. Tale. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it's, it's a it's a retelling of the beauty of, in the beast that inverts the relationship right. dependency, right? Right, right, right. Uh, which is present here in this story, but we enter that story very differently. Yes, yeah. The, I mean, the major differences are that Geralt and Nivellin have never met in the short story, right? Um, and that they are actually old friends, apparently in in the show. Um, the yeah. other difference is that um, of of how we actually don't see we don't see some of this kind of beginning. Uh, they don't tell us about um, these blue roses that were being picked from the uh, this old man who ended up giving Nivlin like his daughter essentially. Like there's this whole parallel to what Belle so, and her right, father so the beauty of the beast story yes, right and like, then we and that's not part of that's this. not part of this in any way you no know, it strips it out so we just get a sense and it actually leans more heavily into does. sort of a disney natured beauty and the beast yeah where we where we're the food is popping out of yes the walls we and, right because so nivlin can control his house like part of like he may be cursed with this you know beastly look but he has the ability to control the house uh, well, I love that he sort of looks like a boar, which is a great pun. Like, it's just yeah, such a good yeah. pun. That. He uses he, his sorry and being a boar. Yeah. He's, and then, like, giggles at himself. And Christopher Heavesy does such a great job as, like, I could watch him all day. He does not look good without a beard. He does not look good without a beard. <laughs> Although, the thing is, in Beauty and the Beast, he's uglier as a human. I'm going to say it. I'm Are you saying ashamed. that you're sexually attracted to I the Beast in cartoon form? I did not say I was sexually form? attracted to the Beast in his form. But I will say, it 
it works in this case as well. It's true. And even in Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast, yeah, I think exactly. ultimately, Same I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, not ashamed. Well, he does just look weird, right? Like you see this thing for so long in whatever form it's in, and you've grown accustomed to like, you like who they are. And then they've completely changed appearance, and all of a sudden they're just really weird looking now. Well, yeah, and if you're expecting Tormund, it's even more disappointing. Yeah, right, especially right? when where'd the beard go? There's no beard. What the heck, man? I imagine that was a conscious choice to make yeah. him not look like Tormund. No, disappointed. Right. <laughs> so I, I, w- I will say that I think that the, you know the this get stripping away that storytelling let because we have to get away from yeah. the Beauty and the Beast story partly so that we can get Siri and Geralt into that space, right? Because it's Geralt's story right. with Nivellin before. Well, and all of that in 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 the short story is told to Geralt, you know, in kind of like they, they have dinner, essentially. They do the same. Everything that happens in the story is actually really similar mm-hmm. to what happens in the short story. It's just there's more explanation into the backstory of Nivellin in, in the book. Um but I think that the biggest thing that I, you know, I was, I'm, I was really nervous so far. I don't think I'm as nervous now after watching this first episode. But I was very nervous leading up to this season that they're just going to screw this whole thing up. Because I've seen Netflix screw up good book series before. Sure. And I think as long as they capture tone and character motivation for me, I'm going to be perfectly happy with whatever they do. Um, I just don't want them to, to choose plot over character. And I don't want them to, you know, just botch this whole thing because of that, um, which they've done in the past. Right. You know. Well, I, I, I thought I loved food dropping from the ceiling casually and it, like the lights being thrown, like the, the torches and the yeah. bathtub falling and like all of those things are, are so they're charming. And the spinny almost. thing that came to life. Yeah, the lantern, the lantern sh- like all of that. Well, that actually, that sequence I want to talk about specifically. But yeah. I love the I love the fact that most of what happens is like grossly done. Like in 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 our Beauty and the Beast experiences, right. like everything's eloquent and danced. Yeah. And here, like crap just comes flopping into yeah. plates. Right, and a bathtub falls from the ceiling, and it's just like it's just spewing water. Yeah, it sloshes yeah. water. Yeah, it's it's way more. Um, butch and manly like it reflects his character well, as who he is right he doesn't have mrs potts or like you know what i mean like he doesn't have these well you're right people. he doesn't have anybody to yeah he's this he's this monster this beast right like he's legitimately like he's he's in control of the house not right. the house in control of itself yeah so and i wonder too you know siri goes and she takes the bath and um then finds this new gown there available for her yeah and um you know, I wonder how I knew where what we were dealing with, right? So I knew I would already suspecting what had happened there. Yeah, I didn't, so I was sketched out by it because I was like, "Ooh, creepy! He's leaving her address." <laughs> because, like, you think about it, whenever, like, you think of, I don't know, pirates, he leaves her address, right? Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure. Yeah. And like, it's just a creepy a man leaving you address after you've been like, it's just a weird thing. Also. She did not dry herself off before she put that dress on. That did really bother and you. And I can't. For all the, I just let yourself air dry. Or yeah. dry yourself with a towel. <laughs> I don't. I, ooh, yeah, he didn't leave her. Just go stand by the fire for a little so bit. It made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that we see this um, this thing watching her from the ceiling, right? And um, the cat. The it's cat. Not, it's not a cat. Definitely not a cat. Uh, but yes. So I think I you know, all that was, yeah, it's great. It's good so far. Um, we have this dinner scene, which nobody sings or dances at, which thank God that didn't happen. But we get a whole lot of, there's a whole bunch of joking. A lot of joking. And um, I have to say the chemistry between Geralt and Nivellin in the show is is great too. Like I, I was thinking, I, I think I like that they made them made the choice to make them be old friends. Right. Otherwise, this the chemistry wouldn't have been as natural. It wouldn't have been as... You know, if it would have felt forced, I think. And we we have the issue of Geralt needing to defend Ciri, and so if he didn't wasn't trusting Nivellin from the beginning, yeah. Oh, they would have turned around and gone the other way. He probably would have killed him right there. Well, there's right. That's what would have happened right at the start. And so yeah. instead, he you know we have he's able to we're able to go and enter this world. Yeah. And in the in the book, we're able to do that because it's 
it we're not entering with any defensive nature, you know? Yeah. Um, we at dinner have this scene again where we're reminded that Geralt isn't this bloodthirsty, violent, non-caring person. Um, you know, that he's he is as much human as he is Witcher, um, and he's caring because we learn that Nivlin uh, his dad sucked um, and that Nivlin went hunting for this this thing. I don't remember what, what it was exactly. Um, Wyvern maybe. And uh, that he was injured in this Wyvern attack or whatever. He was in danger. Geralt came, killed the creature and then told his dad that Nivlin killed the creature instead. Um and that just shows again how much Geralt actually cares for people and not just for himself. And Geralt tries to play this off a little bit because he says that he would have gotten paid either way. Uh, but I think, you know, he's just trying to, you know, play up his persona a little bit and his appearance. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's way more kind and caring than what he thinks he is, I think. Yeah, he's, it's almost like his emotions aren't, um, correct right they don't function correctly right so he doesn't under even isn't completely understand the actions he's taking right well when everybody know. i think when everybody tells you you're one thing you start to believe you're one thing yeah. even though he still acts differently than what everybody says he mm -hmm. is even though he can't he can act that way right like he is he he can he can really you can teeter on the edge of being the witcher that everybody says you are but you can also be this kind caring mm -hmm. you know this big softy that Nivlin refers to him as. We already knew this because he's taken in Siri and right. because he loves Jennifer. So we know he's not this emotionless thing that everybody says witchers are when the, you know, the transformation happens. But um, we also learn about part of his story about the priestess who cursed him that he went to this temple and, you know, pretty much ransacked this temple and all that stuff. Right. Um, we find out part of the story. We don't hear the full thing. Uh, and that he this priestess cursed him and screamed something about love and blood and that he didn't understand the full thing. Um, that is the same in the book as well. Right. There's this misunderstanding of what the curse actually is and how to break it. Um, and uh, yeah, that is said at the table as well as uh, some name dropping of the wild hunt and uh, all that good stuff. But Geralt then goes to secure the exterior of the building, I believe. Um, and we have a wonderful little scene. You wanted to talk about this lantern with... Um, yeah. Nivellin and, and Siri. So, I mean, I think we get, first of all, it feels like Beauty and the Beast, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's And so in a way, Siri becomes a stand-in for Belle for a few moments yeah. in, in this, which we, we, and so we can invert it, right? Right. It, this, this, I mean, Witcher inverts some of these ideas, and as a result, we need to remember what they are in the same way we recap at the beginning of the show. So yeah. we sort of see him almost in a relationship with Siri in the way the beast might be in a relationship with Belle and he uses this super cool animated lantern yeah. that is both not animated and animated, right? So it, it, part of it is the natural motion of a spinny thing that's doing this. Right. And then on the it, the wall, it's like beautifully presented storytelling. Yeah. And he, and he lets the story be told. And I think that that idea of storytelling is so strong in in The Last Wish, right? Like it's right. so strong that reminding us that this is a storytelling experience, not an action TV series, right? That the story is at the base of this, that mythology yeah. and legend is really important, seemed to be a gr another great choice for, uh, or, yeah, or promising choice for the beginning of this season two. It's the sort of thing to where, you know, you see the show and you think that it's just gonna be a whole bunch of action uh, there's going to be a lot of monsters. It's going to be one thing, and it keeps doing this opposite thing of telling story and choosing characters over that plot and that, which I love. There was a moment we watched the first episode twice, and then the yeah. second watch, as he's telling the story of the circle, the lantern thing. Yeah, it sounded like he was telling the story of Siri's parents. So he. Because it was like she brings up, um, like bits of it sounded like it was taken from, yeah, like that moment of. It was a story him. about an. It was some story about an elf, I think, and a warrior mage who fell in love. It, I think it was something along those yeah. lines. Um, I'm not actually 100 percent sure what 
they're referencing that was one of the things that crossed my mind but he mentions it later siri yeah siri does bring it up um and you know he she brings it up after nivlin like reveals that he killed his entire servant staff after he turned into this beast right you know right again inverting the right the beast legend uh for for disney although not the sort of traditional beauty and the beast where where the house is just you know magical but yeah there's that distinction right there's no in the original beauty and the beast he doesn't kill everybody that they just turn into it the house just is magical right whereas in disney's beauty and the beast we get a full cast of characters who in if it had it's not a disney movie unless you talk to (laughs) unless you can talk to an inanimate object or a uh, uh, an animal of some kind yeah, it's not a Disney Potts. film <laughs> yeah. and uh so like he hates himself for for killing his entire staff um and that his whole curse can't be reversed like all of this stuff and Siri ends up telling this story how she heard of a story of a hedgehog man's curse being lifted after finding true love right. and she's obviously telling the story of her parents she just doesn't realize her dad was this hedgehog man right. and her mom was his his true love so but she also says she also says in relation to what he says is that she watched her whole world burn and her family mm-hmm. trapped inside and she, he's not a monster yeah like and because of what she's seen yeah like she validates that he's not right and he, who he thinks he and is. he counters though with the most important line of this episode in that monsters aren't born um what is it I wrote it down. Oi. Monsters are more than what they look like, but they are they are born of deeds done, essentially right. is what he says. Monsters are born of deeds done, not by what they look like, um, which is going to call back heavily to the end of this episode when we learn the second half of what he did in this temple. He's left out a very key piece of information. Um, and so we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, so that's that scene, essentially. Um, anything else to add in that? No, let's keep plugging along. That's great. Uh, Geralt is out securing the exterior of the building. Uh, he notices the fresh f- footprints in the snow. Which um, goes back to the game. I Yeah, you're like, he's he, using his when witcher senses. When you play senses. the game, you can like use a witcher <laughs> sense and you can see where like your footprints are. And yeah. then he leans down in the game and you can examine the footprints. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, pretty much. And I was like, this is awesome. There's a lot of random like callbacks like that to, to the game. He, Whether he, or not it's a callback. In the game, you're like, he says something like, oh, they went north. and, and, and Or something along those lines. And, mm, winds mm, howling. Winds. And <laughs> rain. And he like Looks talked like to rain. himself about these footprints. And I was like, very good. Yeah. Well done. It was good. Uh, we end up coming back inside, though, and there's this um, there's this fun like knife-throwing drinking game. Uh, right. Did well, you? The truth or dare, dare game, right? Yes. And and so Geralt wants to find out what happened or what's going on. Like oh, he's, he's trying fully to, skeptical of yeah. of Nivellin and what he's hiding, right? And Nivellin knows it, right? Like, yeah. it, there's the, the the truth of the game is that they they both want to find out the truth. Like that's the only truth. Yeah. Because they're they're playing around, and every time Geralt throws the knife, it misses its mark. Yeah. Uh, and Nivellin, of course. Scores yeah, he scores. scores every time. And so he gets, but not a perfect score, right? No. It's like in random. It's like in the cheek, or it's you know. And they're throwing at his dad. They're throwing at Nivlin's father right. too. So that's another, another thing. It which you don't. I mean, all you hear about his dad in this in this uh, adaptation here is that his dad was a monster and that he hated his dad. It was like right. the worst being on earth. Um, in the book, we learn that his dad hated Nivlin because Nivlin was always sickly, and so he never was proud of him he was not a strong kid and so he just never liked him very similar to uh randall and sam tarley right right like it was it was that whole thing in game of thrones where you know sam's dad hated him because he was not as strong as his his younger brother uh so anyway that's why they're throwing some knives at him but yeah there's we we learned that they're magic knives and that he was cheating the entire time but he kind of like is very like he he, I, you know, yeah, whatever. I like I cheated, whatever. <laughs> like, but he, but he does. But Geralt like throws his knife. Yeah, hits the mark. Yeah, and you're like, I thought Geralt was pretty accurate with a knife. Thank, I'm thankful. My, you can even, <laughs> you can even see his like face like contort. Be like, that should have hit. Like something's wonky. Yeah, here. 
Yeah, well, and you catch on, you're like, I f- I'm like, I think that he's, Nivlin must be moving these knives or something as they're being yeah. thrown. Like, I don't know if he can move the knives themselves or... I think they're bewitched because everything he because he, he creates each thing right as it sort of comes into yeah the it world. just it just exists so he's just right? made faulty knives for Carol so like whatever. whatever who if anybody else throws them they're inaccurate but if he throws them they go where they go where they want yeah right right um, anyway there's a there was a, that was a good little scene that was a fun scene um, really that whole scene is to serve the purpose to find out that Geralt is actually heartbroken over Yennefer, despite him not showing that heartbrokenness on his exterior, right? Inside, again, he's big softy and that he is heartbroken over this. He's like an onion. Is he Shrek? <laughs> is he an ogre? Yeah, peel him back. Peel back the onions. Uh, yeah, so that was good. Um, and there's also a mention to the trial of the grasses in here as well. Because we need to remember what that is because mm-hmm. it's we're going to be living through yes. these thoughts. Yes, exactly. Um, so they are, they are seeding a lot of random things here. Um, again, mention the trial of the grasses that all feelings are trained out of witchers and they become monsters to slay other monsters. So again, this theme of like monsters slaying other monsters, humans slaying humans, like what, what, I mean, the whole book series is about like what determines a monster, like what is, and this whole episode is that entire thing too. Um, let's go and talk about Verena, the Bruxa. You were not happy when she crawled out of that wall. I can do blood. I can do guts. I can do violence. (laughs) When she crawled through that hole in the ceiling, I wanted to die. We watched it twice. I covered my eyes both times. (laughs) I love the way they stylized her. Oh, my goodness. I I loved it. It was just spectacular. I loved it. And all of her bone. Clicky. 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 And all of her bone. Oh, I can't. She was like a cat. No. Cats don't move like that. That was horrifying. It it was very reminiscent for me of like the ring. Like uh, that's exactly summer, what I right? said. She crawled out. I was like, it's really like, smart. Yeah. So tell me when she's on the bed because I can't watch. I can't. And then she touched. I can't. It was great. Oh my god. I have in my notes here. Like I love the portrayal of Verena. Like I loved it. Well, and as since she's sort of this slightly unusual, beautiful woman. In those moments, it's this great setup, right? So we we aren't sure really where we're going, right? Right. Um, but if you're if you're a smart viewer, you've probably pieced together that she is the thing that attacked those people in the in the beginning of the episode, um, well, and that she's knew. not human. Yeah, like you know that she. I mean, they they flash like this this symbol, right? They did these symbols at the beginning of the, all the episodes all in season one. They're all different. They're doing the same thing in this season as well and uh yeah like this they flash a symbol up there i'm like this looks like a bat with wings this looks like a vampire and so you she is a type of vampire, she is a type of vampire. Well, it up. a lower body vampire. A lower body. she only anything. likes things from the waist down that didn't say anything in my but informational right. yes who she, she eats, eats like his a neck. normal vampire yeah. yeah yeah but yeah she's super creepy um and she looks, she looks and feels like she's human, minus the, minus the movement and her eyes and her eyes. Her eyes are extra big, like the yeah. pupils are extra dilated, right? Um, so she's a Bruxa. So she's like a higher vampire of sorts. Like there's different types of vampires in the Witcher lore of like Bruxas and Alps being like the some higher vampires. She Go is ahead, a talk dangerous level of four out of five. Oh wow! Yeah. Where are you reading this? Uh, Probably not a reputable source, but it's got it's pretty a lot of information. Oh, I love it! No, that's good. Um, they're relatively rare and dangerous, and they can tolerate sunlight, which is terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying, right? Um, yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have a lot of other information, but you don't need this. To this doesn't happen in the book because Siri is not there, right? Um, so we don't really have a whole lot of interaction with Verena in the book, from my recollection. What do you want to say? They're always described as beautiful women, at least by day. Hmm. And then they turn into vampires at night. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah, yeah horrifying. Um, so, yeah. So, this... I Actually, I loved that they introduced her in this way of being um, a... She's very kind, right? She's given Siri a dress. She's come... Well, creepily crawled on her ceiling and down her wall to come greet her. 
yeah, while she's sleeping. Kind of creepy way to introduce yourself, but kind of necessary when you're trying to figure out who's in your house, I guess. And especially when the Witcher's there. And uh, she's like very nice to Siri. Doesn't want any trouble with Geralt. Doesn't even try to hurt Geralt because, I mean, she totally could crawl out of a hole in the wall and try and kill him if, mm-hmm. you know, she really wanted to. She doesn't want any trouble. And she's definitely capable of uh, both intelligence and emotion, right? So she's this actual sentient being that doesn't want to be killed. Like, she's not just out for blood necessarily, even though that's kind of what a vampire does. But I have to say that I'm glad they introduced her this way because I think she's going to contrast nicely with a another vampire who we'll meet in future seasons. Um, God bless you. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I'll say about her right now. Uh, we'll get we have a whole lot more to talk about with her, I think. But um, actually, you know what? Let's just talk about this fight scene because that's that's really where it goes from here, right? Yeah, we we move right into the end game essentially for yeah this story. Yeah. So. This is after Geralt kind of inspects that town. Um, yeah, he realizes that this thing can fly, that it's that it's a vampire. He returns to Siri. After kneeling down yeah. and using his examine skills. Yes, he does use his examine skills. <laughs> Have you played Witcher 3? I've played the first like 10 minutes, but I'm not great at the whole like, fight. let me fight things. Uh, and so I just push all the buttons and it doesn't You're a button well. masher. Yeah. I'm a button masher. That's okay. But I love watching you play it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is fun to play. A lot of hours. So the, uh, we, they come upon the Brooksa yeah. feeding on Nivellin, right? Like that's, yes. the, that's the, the start of this. Yeah. So Nivellin is sleeping in next to the fire and Verena is you know kind of sucking the blood from his from his throat this is after uh Geralt has told Siri to go to Roach right saddle him up if anything comes out of this house other than me you need to you know ride off which in true like teenage girl fashion yeah she, she does not do to. yeah <laughs> does not do um and then Geralt drinks a potion right which is very nice love that um, and shows Siri probably for the first time. Oh yeah, Siri hasn't. I don't think has right? seen him with. Is this when he turns around to her. Yeah. And goes like, "Get out." Yeah, go and you now. Can see yeah. She's like, what the heck is happening? Yeah, he's his for eyes are time. fully dilated, like pupils are fully dilated. Yeah, everything is. He's in full Witcher mode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he goes and inspects this thing. I love that they're that they're doing more signs. Love that they're doing like potions and all that stuff. Um. So, yeah, so we, a fight ensues, and um, anything you want to add before we get to the courtyard? Be- yeah, she, I mean, she uses her mouth power. Oh, I forgot about this, like, the screech, right? Her, like, shark teeth, crazy. <laughs> She's, like, double sets of teeth, There's, like, right? eight sets of teeth, and her She's whole jaw rows. breaks, so it's like a shark and a snake. Oh, man, so good. Again, very reminiscent of the design of the vampires in the game. When that happened... You were like, ooh, they spent money on this. You got real excited. Yeah. The, you're like, oh, they're doing it right. The effects look much better than they did in season one. Yep. Yes. My question about this is, is is there a smell associated with the oh. sonic breath? She just ate, I'm going to cough. She just ate some yeah. blood, so it probably smells a little gross. Probably like, like very irony. Is, is the smell part of the force? Coppery? I don't really know. Or is it just sound, sound and whatever the for, force of for vibration sake, i hope it's just sound i think it's different than like someone breathing out and more of like a yell and so if i were to it's yell like at sonar. you from across the room like from where we are yeah but you can five see feet her. apart <laughs> her you, you can't that's see what fair. steph's doing but steph's hand is yeah being it's pulsing she's like being, yeah she <laughs> it's moving forward so so i mean i think that that's great because we establish her power we let yeah. it inside and then we can go out and then we have stakes right we know that Siri is going to be stupid and, and st- not right off. Right. Walks right towards this <laughs> right. whole situation. Yeah, so right Geralt, Geralt uses the sign of Ard to push her. It's the equivalent of force push, essentially. That's one of the things I looked up on the StarWars.com. Wow. Yeah. What Part do you know? the other word that I don't remember. Psychometry. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he uses Ard to, to push her out the window into the courtyard, and uh, then we see him also use... Quen, which is 
another Witcher sign, which is like a bubble shield thing that we see him use as well. Uh, again, the... yeah, I'm like, so we've gotten three Witcher signs in this episode, which made me so happy because I think last season, I think we saw two in the entire season. So very thrilled that they're using. And they didn't make them as. Yeah, they're not as obvious. Noticeable. Yeah, they're not as obvious. Um, so I love that he's just using these. Um, I also, again, want to go back to the portrayal of Verena here because she transforms not just from like she's in human form and then she transforms into like her actual vampire form. Like the, the bat, whatever. So form. cool. Again, it was, a cute little bat. It was you said it's a cute little bat. It, the first, okay, the first time they showed the face of the bat, it was adorable and then it got gross. Murdery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Again, very reminiscent of the designs of the game. Um, she was also super like the first time before she changes. Mm -hmm. He once she like falls on the ground and then sees Siri, she like creaks her body back together. Oh yeah, like, yeah. She does that that flip and and sort of rebuilds herself, which is a great. I mean, it's a great horror trope too. Oh, it is. And yeah. we're getting horror here clearly, so it works. Yeah, and and it, it's great because that's in contrast to the Nivellin experience, right? Right. So, so sometimes when we're when we're at looking at these sort of classic uh, fairy tales and we're inverting them, when we invert them to horror, we sort of move in the direction of what they really are, mm -hmm. right? you know? Um, the beast is a horror, horrifying figure. Yeah. The idea of being kidnapped by a monster in the woods right. uh, is, is, is scary, but we've, we've, you know, neutered that in a way. We, we've gelded it yeah. by, you know, making it this fairy tale. So, you know, Beauty and the Beast is a sweet story of romance, not a story of kidnapping, imprison, you know, female imprisonment, imprisonment and yeah. whatever. And that doesn't mean I want to bash the indentured servitude. I, I don't want to bash the fairy tale necessarily. That's not my that's not my mode of thinking. It's just we need to examine those fairy tales differently than they're often used. And, and right. Witcher does that. And so totally he, here we have this inversion of those relationships and the way we right and we characters. and we get actual of like what the horror should be of mm -hmm. what that story really is right um and we get two different kinds of horror in this we have horror of what's been done and we uh, by nivlin right we get that at the end and we have like actual physical horror from verena and her body mm -hmm. contorting and twisting and doing like these unnatural things that humans can't do right only she can only do them because she's she's not human um, and therefore, we've labeled her as a monster because she can do these things and right. she's attacking well, and, these people, and, right? And so the battle ensues, and I'm not going to get the order of whatever goes on correctly, but Siri, of course, foolishly right. gets involved. Uh, and then, um, as you know, she gets caught. So Siri Right. She's pretty much taken hostage, taken right? Taken hostage. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, again, right. Well, it's not directly from the game from the game from the book um series not there but verena is i believe in the book is about to like injure Geralt, and nivlin does stab her through the back with this spear right um that does that does happen in the same way in the book as it does in the show um this sacrificing this killing of the, this thing you love to save this innocent person essentially Geralt's mm -hmm. innocent in this whole thing um to an extent, again, the the question comes up of, you know, monsters killing monsters. Should Geralt have killed or attacked Verena in the first place? But right? I mean, but the story gives us a reason because Geralt thinks that Verena is attacking Nivellin. Like, right. So we by seeing right. that 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 gives him Geralt a legitimate is, move. Yes. Right. If yeah. it had just been, oh, you have this thing living in your house, I'm going to kill but, it. But he thinks yeah. he's not as clear about the. Right. symbiotic relationship at that point and definitely and the 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 killing is intense like that moment is emotionally intense yeah her bones crack again and then her whole head turns and even that scares Nivellin. oh it scares Nivellin, yeah he like looks at her like what's happening well he's he's both horrified of like what she's doing with her body and the and fact that he's happening. just killed this thing that he loves well, he, had, well, he wasn't killing her he just stabbed her yeah, and then she, she and yeah, and she drags herself back towards him. Yeah, right. And another very classic sort of horror. -y Again, that whole thing heroism. exactly as it is in the book. Mm -hmm. It's um, really well done. And he, she goes for his throat. And I think at this point, I think she was gonna kill him. Um, in, at least I think that's in the books. It's written that he goes. She goes for the kill. She can't kill him though. He can't die. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. That's why she can feed off of him. Yeah. 
but Geralt does cuts. Geralt does a deed. Yeah, Geralt cuts cuts her head off, clean off the shoulders. Um yeah, right. She looks over at Siri. She looks over at Siri and says something like, "He'll come for he'll you come soon for you enough," too. or something like, "He'll come for you too." Yeah, that's what he says. Um, which I'm not 100 percent sure what that's in reference to. He's freaking her out. Maybe, but I don't know. It feels like that's just a throwaway line. Or like maybe she thinks that Siri's a monster. Yeah, maybe. Too. Well, we might see something. She may know something because of her monster sense. Whatever, yeah. but it, what it's it, it just. It's a nice butt, no matter what. Um, and then we watch right. our beast transform into. His transformer just hurt. <laughs> I just can't. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. He she, he transforms that that death, um, the killing of the true love lifts the curse. He, right. She tells him that she loves him. Yeah, that killing of the one you love lifts the curse. The blood and love, love and blood, whatever. Which Geralt knew right away. He was like, oh, "Okay, I got it." Yeah. kill this thing yeah which is which is funny because it's the opposite of like what series parents thing is right um again this this man who was this beast transformed back into a man by finding true love this is the opposite of a man who's a beast transformed back into man from killing their true love because he's being punished right even after so the punishment isn't just you're a beast yeah the punishment is that post thing right. that has to happen that that the violation that he did to the uh priestess yeah requires a kind of punishment that's permanent right uh and so the punishment is that you'll get true love at, in the worst possible way if you ever get true love in the worst possible way that can that can set you free but only by killing and yeah that, i mean it's a great twisted way of looking at those stories yeah no absolutely and and we learn immediately after this that nivlin has he he robbed the temple and then he raped the priestess um and now he's being treated like the monster because of the deeds he's done right monsters are born of deeds done right um and i think that you know siri and nivlin siri and nivlin siri and Geralt were forgiving of you know him robbing the temple that's not that big of a deal in their eyes but the raping of the priestess was when they were like nah nah that's it I'm yeah, everything happy. changes then right? i have i don't have anything for you now like well and now he's the real beast right because it's not, about yeah, his deeds not right. his physicality and he's turned to them he's turned into the true monster after he's back in human form mm -hmm. right and not in beast form which is important because if he if they learned those things while he was in beast form then it would have felt like a like a double reason to to not trust him right mm -hmm. but the fact that he's a human again means that the only reason that they don't like him the only reason they don't trust him the only reason that he's a monster is now because of the deed that he's done right and exactly. not because of his appearance yeah um so yeah that was i loved i loved that whole episode with with them um and uh that's all i have for Geralt here is there anything you want to add no, I think it's a really tightly told story. It's a great opening. Yeah. That story's it it's just such a wise idea, whether it's completely intentional or not, to have placed that in season two. Yeah. Um, it anchors us back in for book readers. It's a quick, easy connect for people who aren't book readers. We're not diving into a long term plot right, right away. Right. Uh, we're not in some weird like witcher practice land at the beginning of the book and not knowing what's going and on. It's exciting. It's fun to watch. And we've closed off these episodic sort of episodes mm -hmm. that kind of are almost bottle episodes that just are like, they're not throwaways, but they don't have a major, they don't play into the major story arc of multiple characters, right? Other and, than seeding some tiny little things. Um, they, but they do build character. They do build character. So mm -hmm. we have good story with character development around it. And our characters are forced to make decisions based on things they see in the world that reflect on their own selves. Like it's just a really, it was just really well it's done. It's really great. So let's hit the other. These stuff two briefly. are really quick because there's not a whole lot of to say and there's not a whole lot of mm -hmm. Yennefer to say. Very quickly, um, they're in Eretuza, right? The uh, the mage kind of capital, essentially the home base, uh, the school. And uh, this is like after the aftermath of the battle, and we're seeing a lot of kind of the, the almost like a hospital. Of yeah, it's all like of mash. It's like it is like mash for, mash for, for mages. mages. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, and the, specifically, we see Triss on a bed, kind of convulsing, and she's ready to die. She's dying. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, Tissaia comes over, and, and uh, Vilgefortz comes over, and they like whisper some kind of incantation 
to heal her and we can see the burns on her chest. The other thing that we can see, although not very clearly, is her very red hair now. You notice it more in the next episode. Yeah, in the next episode, I think you can... I don't know. when Whenever she appears again, you notice it more. But, uh, yeah, her hair is much more red than it was in season one, so... I'm pretty sure people who complain. they are taking feedback, I think, from fans and directly <laughs> like they're directly putting it in. Again, it's an adaptation. I don't look as long as the as long as the actor is playing the character true to who they were in the book. That's all that matters to me. I do not really care what they look like. Frangilla, I don't care that she's black like that's whatever. That's great. I'm worried about like maybe what they're going to do with character based on the arc in the book. I don't care what she looks like as long as she serves the purpose but, of the but, character. I mean, certainly her hair could have been turned red by the flame. That's very true, that right? Yeah, she was, she was stabbed shot, so. with this like blunted Jennifer torch. And yeah, I don't know. It's um, So anyway, she's revived. Um, and uh, so... So they've done something in this show. They've pretty much flip-flopped um, Triss's role in the book and Yennefer's role in the book, right? Yeah. So like Triss is supposed to be this this person who uh, is supposedly dead after the Battle of Sodden. She's this, I think it's either the 13th or the 14th on this hill that died. Who? Um, Triss. Okay. And uh, they've swapped her with Yennefer. So Yennefer is now this supposed one who died on this hill. Um, and not Triss. Um, so they've just done a little flip-flop there. But uh, yeah, so Triss is healed. She's totally fine. Uh, and then we... I don't remember them kidnapping Kahir in the end of that last season. Did they do that? In the, I don't remember that either. I don't remember that at all, but they revealed to us that they've kidnapped Kahir, who is the... Um, he's the man who kidnapped Siri from Sintra. Um, and so he's in the dungeon... Essentially, all that happens is Tissaia goes down there and she needs to search his memory for Yennefer. And uh, pretty much she sticks her hand in his head and like oh. tortures mm -hmm. him a little bit and mm -hmm. pulls out mm -hmm. some, tries to pull out some memories. Well, and again, another very Asian looking kind of horror trope that yeah. was very effective. That yeah. Idea of sort of the body horror and the melting oh, of body. So, so gross. And the extent it shows the extent that Tissaia will go to try and find somebody that she loves, right? Like, mm -hmm. she she's resorting at this point to, like, torture tactics to find Yennefer. So she's pretty beaten up and heartbroken over the loss of Yennefer, which, I mean, is it's nice to see because she played such this hard mother figure right. for her in the first season. So it's nice to see that change of uh, of heart here a little bit. Um, anyway, that's all I have for Tissaia. Anything else you wanted to nope, add? that's... All right, let me briefly run through Yennefer here. Um, pretty much, again, she's with... So she's with Fringilla now. Right, you as a captive. As a captive, yeah. And um, Fringilla led the attack on Sodden Hill. And uh, yes, so she's she's like Nilfgaard's mage. And uh, while well, they're likely south of, of Sodden Hill at this point, heading back towards Nilfgaard, Fringilla says that you know she wants to... Um, yeah, I think she says that she wants to head back to. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's this episode or the next episode. No, she wants. They want to head back. She, she's. They're talking about returning for her safety or for like they. You know, she's a prize to bring. That's back. right. They right, wanted. She was bringing Yennefer back because to... Yennefer's like, why are you not killing me? Like, why well, don't? Understand yeah, that's right. At all. She's bringing Yennefer back to Amir, right? Who's the Emperor of Nilfgaard, mm -hmm. hoping that it will give her kind of this amnesty for what for losing this for battle. losing the battle, right? Exactly. Right? Um, and so they name drop Amir, who is also hear them reference the white flame in this season. That's who they're referring to, which we hear in that first episode mm -hmm. once or twice. He's the emperor of Nilfgaard. Um, and yeah, Frangilla believes that Nilfgaard is there to liberate the northern realms. That was said. So we've we've learned kind of what Nilfgaard's reason is for attacking the northern or at realms. Least what they say it is. What they say it is anyway is to to, to liberate these these kingdoms. Um, and uh, I mean, that's about it other than what we're left with. And that is um, Fringilla's army being like plucked away by these harpoon like things that come out of the woods. Right. Like we don't see who's shooting these, but her men are pretty much shot with these harpoons and then ripped back into into the woods. Yeah. And it just ends with them kind of 
circling back to back. Yeah, they're, they're the last two, right? They're the last so, two. Yeah, everyone else has been popped, yeah. pulled away, and suddenly we just have the two mages standing in a circle. And yeah. and and Yen is in these Dimeridium chains, which what those chains do is they limit all, like you can't use your power. If you're a mage and you're in this these chains, you can't use your power. You're pretty much, you're blocked. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all I have for this episode. Yeah, I, I want to say that I think that this was a great beginning and we're in great shape. I yeah. think who knows where we'll be by episode seven, but right now, or maybe episode five where the dip will happen or yeah. not. Right. But uh, unlike the first season where the beginning was a little bit slow and then kicked into high gear, oh, they've they made the choice to really lay out the gate, this opening store, both with strong story yeah. and with clear horror and great special effects. And I mean, everything's in line here. I just want to mention, uh, Geralt's leg wound. Mm -hmm. which we're going to see throughout this um and you know the limping leg wound which is reminiscent of his own injury and so i want to say doesn't that leg wound does that appear is that caused later on in the books or is that caused at that same point in the in the books i don't know i just know we you know he's limping around from the moment we see him at the beginning of the there is a um, story i'm fairly certain there's some kind of wound that Geralt suffers at some point that really plays into his character but i'm not sure if that wound has already occurred or not it's just i mean we have that and it's clear and it, the continuity of it works real well but yeah. I, I thought this was a really strong start and yeah. i'm excited to see where we go next thanks for listening to witcher watch from the racking focus podcast you can catch the next episode recap at rackingfocuspodcast.com or wherever you stream your podcasts Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.